Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you conversations with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include technology, culture, leadership, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global Studio in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. For a very special episode of the podcast, we're bringing you a number of interviews from the floor at TechCrunch Disrupt. TechCrunch Disrupt is a biannual event that features panel discussions with some of the leading minds in the technology space and serves as a launching pad for the next great batch of tech companies looking to change the world. Three Pillar was a sponsor of this year's conference, so we had a prime location on the showroom floor. That gave us the opportunity to talk with the winners of the TechCrunch Disrupt Hackathon about their VR app to help diagnose ADHD, the co-founder of a company that's making bike helmets that can be condensed to the size of a water bottle, the founder of a company who's looking to make filing your tax returns as easy as sending pictures of your W-2 to a CPA, and many more. Now, I'll apologize in advance for the way my voice sounds at many times during the course of this episode. I can assure you that no vocal cords were harmed in the making of it. I just happened to come down with a nasty cold the weekend before the event started. But as they say about 40 blocks north of here on Broadway, the show must go on, and go on it did. I'm going to kick this episode off with an interview I had with Ruth Chandler-Cook of a company called Hire Her. Ruth was the first soul brave enough to step into the studio, so she will be the first in a series of interviews that we held over the course of the three-day event. After the first interview, I'm going to just let fly with the rest of them, rather than pausing to introduce each and every new guest. As you can tell, I don't have much left in the way of a voice, and for pretty much every interview, we start things off by asking the interview subjects to share a little bit about who they are and what their companies are up to. So rather than doubling up on that information, we'll just let each interview subject speak for him or herself, and we'll add copious amounts of information in the show notes about where you can find more information about each interview subject in their company if you're interested. So without further ado, here's my talk with Ruth Chandler-Cook of Hire Her. Okay, so I have found my first volunteer, Ruth Chandler-Cook. She is also from the D.C. area with a company called Hire Her. Uh, So, Ruth, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So you were just telling us kind of how Hire Her came to be. Uh, What is is the company's mission? And then we'd love to hear a little bit about kind of the the creation story, if you don't mind. Sure, not at all. So Hire Her is an HR tech company, and we're connecting diverse talent to innovative industries faster through a mobile application and uh, wraparound consulting services for tech industries. Okay. And one of the things that uh, motivated me to uh, find Hire Her was an experience that I had uh, with my sister, who was a uh, rocket scientist, uh-huh. which is so super cool to say. Yeah. My sister's a rocket scientist. So many people <laughs> have probably um, you know, uh, heard or seen the movie Hidden Figures, and they can relate now mm-hmm. uh, to what it's like to be a diverse uh, talent in STEM fields. Mm-hmm. And so she started off as a mathematician and an engineer, and she was uh, integral in a lot of the 
um, successes of uh, NASA in launching some key initiatives like the Hubble Telescope and many other uh, key initiatives. Okay. And, um, you know, she, I lost her prematurely, you know, at 52. Um, she was hospitalized with a serious condition, and um, when I would sit beside her hospital bed, she would frequently lament about a uh, lack of opportunity to seek higher level positions in um, predominantly male-dominated industries like being an engineer. Yeah. And that inspired me to try to find ways to create more opportunities for women in STEM, you know, medicine, finance, and health, mm -hmm. and those traditionally male-dominated industries. And um, you know, so that other women have an opportunity that she that she didn't. You know, and yeah. uh, so I'm looking to change the world for women in uh, STEM. Yeah. And and hire her is for both employers and job seekers. It's for employers and job seekers, and it's a pretty cool tool. It allows you to put your talent forward, so you can you know show yourself. There's a video. Uh, gives you an opportunity to network and find mentors mm -hmm. and find opportunities. And we also, you know, are very, create some efficiencies in the hiring process so managers can hire faster. You know, they don't have to sort through 500 applications to get to the one that um, they need to get diverse talent on their team. You know, what we've learned is that many hiring managers are really seeking to do the right thing and get diverse talent, but that women in particular are lost in the natural selection pools because there's just so much talent out there. And through our proprietary algorithm or our mechanism to make sure that women are seen by employers and diverse candidates are seen by employers, they get a natural selection pool that includes more diverse talent. So they have an opportunity to hire them faster. And you said it's it's a mobile app, right? So iOS and Android? It's currently on iOS okay. and it's going to be out on uh, Android. And we have a website, www.hireher.com. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ruth Chandler Cook, thanks so much for stopping by the makeshift studio. Yeah, well, every day is a great day to hire her. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, take care. Thank you, you too. Okay, so I'm here with Paulina Chapa. She's the business development director at Paranoid Fan. Uh, and she was just giving us an overview of the company and uh, telling us a little bit about how they could be of service at a, at a place like TechCrunch Disrupt. What do you guys do at Paranoid Fan? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So Paranoid Fan is a mobile mapping technology company. Okay. What we do is we create maps for live experiences. So uh -huh. think of Coachella, ACL, Lollapalooza, or even sporting events. Uh -huh. So think about the Cowboys or the Bears. You go out there and the first thing you want to know is where am I? Where can I park that's closest to my seat? Where are my friends? Where can I buy beer? Great. Where can I go to the bathroom? Basically, we contextualize maps. We call ourselves the ways for live experiences. You really are able to see on a map everything happening real time. Uh -huh. uh, it lets users generate their own content. So if you're into a specific type of craft beer that's being sold at a venue, you can pin that your location and pin that uh, craft beer service on your map so that your friends can see where that is. It really lets fans explore venues and live experiences their own way and it really puts them in the driver's seat um, and, and helps reduce all the pain points with really navigating venues. Um, that's what we're trying to do with, with uh, sports, live events and everything in between. Okay, nice. And and how's it going so far? Are you you have a product that's released? Is it in use? Absolutely. So there's two really ways to access our app. So one of them is native. You can go on on app stores, Android and, and iPhone, and download it. Mm -hmm. uh, use it, love it, share it. Yeah. Um, and there's also uh, something that we call SDK, which is a really fancy way of just saying we can implement the code of our app 
into any existing app. So we're currently working with the Falcons, for instance, in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, we're working with the, the Jaguars as well, implementing our technology on their app. So if you're a Jaguars fan and you open up the app right now, you'll be able to see our technology, our mapping system in their app. It's really a, a very useful way for brands to avoid splintering their fan base and really sending people elsewhere when they don't necessarily have to. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really try to work with brands, teams, venues, to do whatever it is that they want and need. Uh, so we're able to really be flexible and nimble with whatever it is that they, they want on their map. Yeah, and, and I think a brand new stadium in Atlanta is being built, is that right? It's huge, yeah. Um, so Sacramento Kings, for instance, also built a brand new stadium, and that's also what we're here to help with. Um, as, as these venues start optimizing and really becoming larger, um, they, need, they want help to try to make sure that their fans have the most seamless, navigable, uh, experience possible uh, and the worst thing that can happen is you buying a ticket getting to a venue and wasting an hour of your time trying to kind of figure out your location um, so we really try to again put the fan in the driver's seat and let them experience the event whatever way they want and yeah whichever way they want. Well, as a big fan of the Washington Nationals, I've been to a few games this year. If you could get in with them, I would really appreciate oh, it. Oh, man, we're the knocking on doors. The we're food knocking. is amazing, but you have to wait forever. So well, see what you can do. I'll try. I'll do, we'll do our best. <laughs> we're knocking on doors, so nice. we'll, we'll try our best. Awesome. Well, Paulina, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. It was great meeting you. Absolutely. You as well. Okay, so I'm here with the, with the winning team behind Revive. Uh, they won the hackathon that was held here yesterday. Uh, can you give me a, a quick overview of what Revive is? Yeah, so Revive is a virtual reality simulation built for the HTC Vive that helps users with ADHD diagnose and treat their symptoms for the illness. So um, basically it's a series of exercises in VR where they would go through and those are diagnostic exercises and we have scores that kind of analyze like how well they're doing, are they comfortable with the experience, um, and they test things like uh, concentration, reactivity, focus, things like that. Basically, we researched um, a bunch of symptoms from ADHD, and then we created diagnostic tests that also um, correlate to those symptoms. And then using the scores from those tests, it gets sent over to our web server, um, where therapists, um, parents, all sorts of people can view the results, and they can figure out what to do from there. There's resources for help, there's videos, there's music, and there's also ways to connect to therapy as well. Okay, nice. And, and where did the idea for it come from? So actually a few of us know some people with ADHD and we realized that the ADHD process actually takes six to nine months just for diagnosis and it also takes over thousands of dollars to run all those tests and it has a lot of bias since um, there's no really like cut and dry method for diagnosis. It's more of a series of tests that a therapist or a doctor conducts and it's very subjective, it's biased. So we wanted to make sure that there was a diagnostic test that could be more accurate and more efficient and also way cheaper. Okay, nice. And what was the uh, what was the hackathon experience like? Oh, it was really amazing. So we came in together as a team, and then we came up with our idea. We just started building for 24 hours. We didn't really get much sleep, so we worked really hard on our product. Um, There's lots of issues, but there's also great mentors to help us out. And then the pitching process was also really intense, but a great experience for us. And and so what happens next? Uh, oh, yeah. So. Part of the prize for winning the hackathon was us being here at, at Disrupt. So we get to be here for the three days of the conference and we're also presenting our project on Wednesday on stage to everyone at the conference. So we'll be conducting an interview with people on stage and we'll be presenting what we made as well as giving a demo. Very nice.
Okay, cool. And where are you guys based? We are from New Jersey, uh, but we live pretty close to New York, so we're very involved in the tech scene over here too. Okay, gotcha. And are you are you in college? What's what's your are you professionals? Oh, we're actually juniors in high school, so okay. we're 16 and 17 years old. <laughs> very nice. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yep, definitely. Um, and we look forward to seeing it on Wednesday. Yeah, thank you. Definitely, thank you. So I'm here with Stephen Radley. He's the SVP of Product Innovation at iHeartRadio, and we're on his home turf, about a 20-minute walk from where he lives. Uh, Stephen, thanks for joining us. No problem. Uh, so a, a number of the folks that we've talked to here have been startups, or they're, they're companies that are really just kind of you know, figuring out what they can become. You're at a company where that's much different. iHeartRadio is a you know is a giant in the space. Um, so how do you identify what types of things your users may want that you're not serving them with already, and and what types of things you know you guys should be working on? Yeah, I think you know one of the reasons that I come here at least is to figure out where the trends are going. Mm -hmm. um, right now, that's how data manage data management goes, or AI is being shaped. Um, and what smaller companies are doing with that, the startups uh, specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think from there, uh, you somewhat realize that it becomes a culmination of technology in, in that once everybody's starting to come around the edges of it, uh, that one, we should be invested in it if we're not already, or mm -hmm. sometimes these other companies are doing it better than the established companies that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure listeners would be interested to know, what's the product innovation team structured like at iHeartRadio? Sure, so we have both a flagship team and we have a C and home team, which is consumer electronics and home. Mm -hmm. uh, and the innovation team works on features of both platforms. R right now, my main objective is to grow the platform out. Uh, iHeartRadio is on 95 plus platforms. Uh, so we're really lucky in that we keep getting to take advantage of both the OTT space uh, and the new speaker space, which is really emerging and, and has a lot of growth. It's very, very exciting. Uh, we, we've seen almost 100% growth in that area alone. And we think that users are becoming more comfortable with that technology, even more so than mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, when you can have a kid walk into a home and say, play, Katy Perry is the example, and they didn't have to take their phone out of their pocket or their parents' phone out of their pocket in that case. Uh, that's really good for any listening uh, experience, mm -hmm. whether it's iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, or so on. Yeah. Uh, so we love that area. We're, we're doubling down in that area. And when I talk about AI and machine learning uh, and different ways that, that hardware interacts with the user, uh, you're going to see a lot of companies that are going to merge, and we're looking for companies out there too, that are going to merge and help in that conversation. So uh, what's the user intent? Uh, what's the conversation you have? Uh, and it seems very straightforward when you say, I want to listen to this artist. Uh, but as it gets deeper and it starts to know your recommendations and your history, well, what was the intent of the conversation? So uh, I want to listen to this podcast, but what episode do I want to listen to and what episode did I end off on? Uh, what user is, ask, uh, is asking for that in the household. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are the more difficult parts of, of what both AI and bot structures and voice are, are bringing to the table. And so I assume iHeartRadio is on Alexa, Google Home, any other smart home platforms where, where listeners can find you? Yeah, we just also launched with Cortana as well, which uh, it, 
you see Microsoft making a play in the space, which is great. I mean, the competition in the space is amazing. Uh, you know, uh, as we know, Cortana's been around for a long time, and they're just trying to, they, they're coming back on the laptops. They're talking about uh, introducing their own speaker uh, sometime this year as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the growth in that area is amazing. You see uh, the Alexa platform with almost five devices, I think, out in the market. Um, as I said, it's really easy to use. The price point is really good on all this, especially with Google Home coming out. Um, I just think you'll, you'll continue to see that, that space grow. We love working with Sonos and Roku, uh, also big, big platforms for us, uh, and Bose as well. Uh, so I just think, you know, where you somewhat took advantage of what that hardware could do in the past, now you're seeing a great software play from everybody in there. Yeah, and one of the new Alexa platforms is uh, there's a, a video component. Is that part of the iHeartRadio roadmap, or does it maybe already exist? It is. So the Alexa show was just announced last week. It's going to be a great platform for them. I think it's really smart. Um, not everybody wants to cast or not cast or just have a headless device. So I think it's a, it's a good mix. You see them being very, very forward-thinking and having a, a, a somewhat you know, small interface on a speaker that people are going to use. And I'm really excited to see what users, how users adapt to that and how they're going to use it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, nice. Okay, great. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Okay, so our next guest is Nick Titus from Myonic Technologies. Nick is a high school senior, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they found out five days ago that they were going to be a part of, uh, of TechCrunch Disrupt. Uh, but Nick, tell us a little bit about the company and uh, what your experience has been so far. Yeah, yeah. So we have developed a wearable device that allows users with paralysis to control their muscles. So over the past couple months, we've developed um, and implemented brain control into the technology. So it uses electromuscular stimulation and people are basically able to think and move their muscles just as someone who is fully abled would be. And it uses no motors, just all the natural power of people people's muscles. Wow, yeah. very nice. Uh, so you're 17 or 18 years old, I guess? Yeah, I'm 17, yeah. H how did you get started with this? Yeah, it was actually a high school science fair project. Um, and I had this idea for an external spinal cord. And then we ended up building that. And um, it worked. And then after the science fair, I didn't really have anything to do. And since I saw that this could help people, I figured, hey, Let's start a company. And then we went through an accelerator and we've uh, been funded and we've been developing from there. Okay, nice. And, uh, and, and what's next from here? Yeah, yeah. So we're working right now actually with a medical textiles company to embed all of our electrodes in a sleeve that can be easily slid on. Um, and then we're working to get uh, the device much smaller. So right now it's about the size of an iPad, um, but our next iteration will be about the size of a, of a smartphone. So. Um, yeah, those are our major developments right now. We plan to go to market um, sometime in 2018. Okay, nice. And uh, does it so it, does it let people move arms, legs, all extremities? Yeah. So um, walking is a super complex motion. Uh, we made robots that could run before we made robots that could walk. So really, um, what we've seen the most value in for our users right now is controlling the arm. Um, and we can get all sorts of movements. You can bend fingers, you can bend your elbow. Uh, we've had people pick up grocery bags. So you can get a pretty strong contraction out of the device. 
and uh, and uh, and you told me this before, but you're based in Colorado. Yeah, we're from uh, Lafayette, Colorado, right outside of Boulder, and that's uh, that's our headquarters, and that's where we're working out of. Okay, nice, yeah. super fascinating stuff. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk yeah. to us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Okay, so I'm here with Richard Bezjohn, the CEO of a company called VQuick. Uh, Richard, tell me a little bit about the company and uh, how long you've been around. Well, VQuick is uh, about a year and a half old. Okay. Uh, we've been developing the product for about two years. Uh-huh. And uh, it's all about uh, the new experience about video. So uh, it's been around for about a year and a half, and this is our second tech crunch. Okay, nice. Um, and, and what makes VQuick different from other video services out there like uh, YouTube or Vimeo? Okay, so uh, for one, Vimeo is very short. The clips are very short. And that's all it does. It does video clips. Um, YouTube, you, you mentioned, mm-hmm. YouTube is a place to put your videos so other people watch it. Uh, no one really offers the video capturing, editing, recording, making a film from the clips and uh, sharing them around the world. That's what the goal of VQuick is. Okay, and so so longer form videos? Yeah, what we call is that uh, we are, uh, you know, on the upper end you've got the streaming services, you've got the half hour, one hour TV events or the YouTube videos, and on the low end you've got the 10 second to 15 second Snapchat, Instagram, those types of clips. Hey, hi, we're at a party, look at us, and so on and so forth. But there's nothing in the middle. So we are in that middle and we provide people to be able to create and share and watch up to three minute mobile uh, content. Okay, nice. And is, is the content hosted on the VQuick platform? Uh, yes, it's on Amazon. Uh, the servers are on Amazon. It's on the cloud. So uh, you know, as you do it, the, the clips are also in the phone, mm-hmm. but as you build them, they get transferred onto the cloud and okay. they're sitting in the cloud. So they are shareable all around the world. Okay, nice. And you mentioned it's your your second Disrupt. What brought you back this year? Uh, Well, you know, we like Disrupt. It's a really exciting event. Uh, uh, You know, uh, you meet a lot of other people. You show what you're you're doing. You get a lot of feedback. Uh, You learn a lot from the experience. So it's a fascinating place to meet uh, people about uh, all about new technologies. Um, And you can kind of feel the beat of the industry. It's very important for us to to stay and be agile and figure out where the industry is going, uh, what's working, what's not working. And these are a lot of great people to communicate with. So from that point of view, Disrupt, uh, TechCrunch Disrupt is great. Uh, And the people that come, you know, they they come and ask questions and you learn from their questions. So the process is never, never to be able to hit the target from the first hit you come up with. In other words, the first time we come up with a product, uh, I'm, I'm talking from an innovator point of view. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that you know, you're going to come up with a product and three months later they're going to say, well, how many downloads did you have? Well, uh, you know, you're successful, you're not successful. 90% of the time, successes don't come from the initial first release. What you need to do is you need to spin, you need to pivot, you need to modify and not give up. And Disrupt helps that process to refine the target, to adjust, to get better at achieving the goal that you really want to go after. That is very, very precious. Uh, you don't have a other 
other uh, forums that enable you to do that. Disrupt is one of the few. Yeah, and, and for listeners who may be interested in trying it out, they should go to vquick.com? Yeah, vquick.com is the website, of course, but uh, the app is on uh, Android and on the Apple iOS store. So they're free, they're downloadable. This is the consumer version. What we did at, uh, at this event, we introduced two new things. One of them is vquick reporter. VQuick Reporter is the one that you can uh, use yourself uh, and be a reporter, a journalist. A journalist. You can basically use the app to take uh, a question or a narrative that you as a reporter uh, talk about and put out. And then uh, the camera switches to the back and you can report on what's on the other side of the phone, what's on the other side of the camera. But the second important thing that we announced at this event is VQuick Enterprise. VQuick Enterprise is for uh, large companies, uh, for them to use in, inside their company for the video needs of that company. Uh, sh- it's interesting, sometimes things are developed and uh, they emerge out of enterprise companies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they come out of the consumer space. So this is one that came out of the consumer space, the video, the phone, you know, ability to share. But this need is now moving into the enterprise. So VQuick Enterprise fills that void. So com- uh, people inside the company, such as salespeople, HR people, uh, managers who want to make a statement, presidents who want to say something at the end of the year about the performance of their company, uh, you know, they can use the VQuick Enterprise platform to create, edit, uh, and share that video message throughout the company. Yeah, very nice. Well, congratulations on the announcements. And thank you so much for stopping by to talk with us. Okay, thank you very much. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right, so I'm here with Jordan Schutz and Jordan Zucker from PubNub. They're a San Francisco-based company. Uh, guys, tell me a little bit about PubNub and uh, what you're looking to do here at TechCrunch. Hi, I'm Jordan Zucker. <laughs> and PubNub provides real-time as a service. So we provide a back-end, a publish-subscribe architecture, so you can broadcast messages around the world in real time in under a quarter of a second. Okay, nice. And, uh, and, and who is your service kind of built for? So our number one use case is chat, but uh-huh. it can really be anything. Rideshare companies use us, almost every rideshare company except for Uber. Okay. So to broadcast the locations of the cars on your app yep. while you're moving around. Uh-huh. It could be location data, it could be healthcare data, so updates to your healthcare records like the EHR updates and Uh stuff like that. Okay, so I'm looking at a notepad from Lyft. Lyft would be a customer? They are. Uh, They're a small customer of ours. They're a big company. But they have used our services in the past. Okay. And I believe they continue to do so. Okay, nice. And how how long have you guys been around? Uh, The company is about seven years old. Okay, nice. And, uh, and, And Jordan, you're in developer relations? Yes, I am. And so, so what does that entail? So basically, I just come to conferences and I talk to other developers and basically tell them how awesome PubNub is and, <laughs> and talk about the API and teach them kind of how to use it. Okay. And are you a developer yourself? I am. So I actually, I started doing development when I was about 16 years old. Okay. And that's actually when I discovered PubNub and I created my first like real-time application. It was a multiplayer drawing game. And so I created it with PubNub. And basically what happened is like the first day it got released, I had like tens of thousands of downloads, like tons of people were playing it. and Basically, I would have never been able to support that if like, I was hosting my own server. Mm-hmm. So PubNub basically like, saved my life. Yep. So now, like about five years later, um, I'm working at PubNub. Nice. 
And, um, and and so if listeners are interested in finding out more, I'm sure they can go to pubnob.com. Correct. Okay, nice. And any special skill sets that you know a developer would need to, to get started? No. Our CEO actually has a great bet, $20 or 20 minutes. If you can't get started with PubNub in 20 minutes, come talk to us. Okay. You're $20. All right. Well, uh, that may go for every listener out there. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how widespread that bet is being offered. So if you've never developed anything before, it might take you more than 20 minutes, <laughs> but that doesn't count downloading Xcode and getting started Okay. or literally not knowing anything. Yep. A developer with freshman year level skills should yep. be able to get started in a few minutes. Okay. Nice. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, guys. Really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm here with Bobby Carlton of Innovation Women. It's now 12 hours and nine minutes after her train left Boston. <laughs> uh, so she is being a real trooper uh, in, uh, in spending some time with us. Uh, but Bobby, can you tell us a little bit about Innovation Women and, uh, and, and what its mission is? Sure. Innovation Women is an online speakers bureau. Our goal is to get more gender balance at conferences and events. Actually, TechCrunch today is doing a pretty darn good job in getting that gender balance going, but uh, there are a lot of conferences out there that are what we call all male and all pale. Yeah, and and how long has the how long has has it been around? So we actually started crowdfunding for Innovation Women in 2014 and got the first website up and running in May of 2015. So uh, we're now going on a couple of years. Okay, nice. And how's it going so far? Awesome. Of course, I would say. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got about 2,000 members, uh, both event managers and speakers. And last month, uh, we had our best month ever in terms of making connections between those event managers and those speakers. Uh, We had 168 connections made. So uh, what we do is we allow the event managers to just come in and browse and they find profiles of speakers, videos, um, abstracts from the speakers and they're able to search amongst those speakers and find people who can come and talk on a variety of topics. Yeah, and, and I believe that we at 3Pillar have a number of, uh, of, of people who have created profiles, but it's a pretty easy process, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, we do ask the speakers to pay $100 a year. Uh, what we're doing there is making sure that the speakers are committed to being speakers, not a, a whim of the moment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that means for our event managers that when they reach out to a speaker, this is somebody who's committed to speaking and we'll get back to them. Yeah. And, uh, and what have you seen so far at TechCrunch Disrupt that has kind of stood out to you? Oh, wow. I mean, I love startups. I, I, I just can't keep away from the startups, and there's so many cool ones here. Um, I'm a big fan of anything AI-related. You know, I figure there's got to be something out there smarter than me, you know. <laughs> uh, but I really like the fact that I'm seeing a lot of diversity amongst the founders. So I'm seeing a lot of women. I'm seeing a lot of people of color. And I know even just a few years ago, that was a big issue for TechCrunch. So I think they've made a really big effort. Yeah, I had a, had a chance to speak with the winners of the, of the hackathon from yesterday earlier. And they are uh, three females. Excellent. Who are uh, 16, 17, 18 maybe. Um, oh my goodness, yeah. getting in early. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that was great to see. Very cool. Yeah, and the presentations, uh, the panelists as well have been fantastic. So a lot of uh, good information coming off the stage. Yeah, and, and we talked about what it's like for, uh, for speakers who want to create a profile, what that process is like 
for event managers? Uh, what, how do they go about kind of creating a profile and browsing uh, possible speakers? Sure. So an event manager actually just gets a free account. Okay. They don't have to go in and put together a profile, or at least not yet. Hint, hint. Um, but they are going in. They get a free pro. They get a free account, and they can go in and browse by topic, by location, by title, by industry, or they can just browse and find speakers. A lot of the event managers tell me the most important things to them are the videos of the speakers and also um, checking out the example topics. So we ask the speaker speakers to put in some topics so that it gives the event managers an idea of things they've talked about in the past or things they want to talk about. Okay, nice. And if anyone wants to check it out, innovationwomen.com, I imagine? Innovationwomen.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at WomenInno. Okay, very nice. Well, Bobby, thanks so much for coming by and talking with us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Okay, so I'm here with Jason Frischman of Net Capital, the founder? Yeah, founder and CEO of Net Capital. Okay, very nice. Uh, so I got a little bit of a rundown on your company yesterday from some folks who stopped by the booth. Uh, but for listeners who did not get that opportunity, uh, what is Net Capital? Yeah, so we're the private securities platform. So we exist to make it easy and efficient for entrepreneurs at early stage companies before their Series A to raise their early stage rounds. So whether that's a friends and family round, a seed stage round, an angel round, we make it easy uh, to close your whole round and not just individual investors. And all the transactions are efficiently enabled online. Uh, and so not only are our customers the entrepreneurs with innovative ideas, but also investors who are looking to invest in innovation and early stage assets. Okay, nice. And when did you found the company? So I founded the company in January of 2014, uh, but we had a very different model back then. Part of what, what makes us work is a change in regulation, which was very recently passed by the SEC as part of the Jobs Act. And that just became legal actually a year ago today almost is the one year anniversary. So we opened up our beta with this product in September uh, of, of last year and we fully launched this January, so just a few months ago. Okay, nice. And can you give us an idea of how many uh, how many companies have, have signed up for, uh, I guess, to be a part of the platform? Yeah, absolutely. We have about 330 companies who have signed up to be a part of the platform that are somewhere you know along our process of getting ready to raise and listed and close their round. Okay, and the difference between Net Capital and a company like uh, Kickstarter is mm -hmm. is what? Yeah, so so Kickstarter is what's called crowdfunding, and so and so crowdfunding is all about investing in products as opposed to investing in companies. So with Kickstarter, it allows backers or pledgers to donate to donate funds to projects that they care about, and in exchange for the capital that they're pledging, they get rewards, whether that's a t-shirt, whether that's uh, the product once it's made, but what they're not getting is a financial security. They're not getting an asset. They're not getting a high growth equity. With net capital, we allow you to invest in companies. So when you put in your $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000, you're actually buying equity and becoming you know, a literal stakeholder in the company, not just buying a product one and if it's made. Yeah. Uh, and uh, any insight into like what the largest uh, valuation of a company has been so far on the platform? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think the largest valuation of a company that's been listed on our platform thus far is is around 10 million pre-money valuation. I, I'd have to double check that. We have a few larger deals that are somewhere you know in our process and should be listed soon. 
but we actually think that our sweet spot is early stage companies. So when you look at you know what we've enabled with online transactions, we've completely changed the dynamics of raising capital. So in the past, the only people who could legally invest in your company were accredited investors. That's only 3% of US households. So traditional angel investors, venture firms, angel groups, institutional capital partners, those were the only sources of capital for all of the innovative companies in this country. With this subtle shift in the sentiment of the US government and with a company like Net Capital, entrepreneurs can now raise capital from their from their customers, from their fans, from their followers, from their friends, because most of those individuals are non-accredited and they can just invest with three clicks on netcapital.com and then 30 seconds they can be a stakeholder of your company. And so we, we feel like you know we provide a lot of value to companies at the very earliest of stages. Very nice. Well, Jason, thanks so much for coming by. Netcapital.com is where you can go to either invest or uh, list your company, right? Yeah, absolutely. Any company that, that you know thinks this might be a good fit for them can sign up right there at netcapital.com. And an investor you know, can look at the deals that we currently have active and they can invest as little as $100 today. Okay, nice. Well, congratulations on the... Uh, on the, the well, I wouldn't say launch, but you've been around since 2014, but yeah. uh, congratulations on the success. Yeah, thanks, Will, and this has been just an awesome event. We're actually the official funding platform for TechCrunch, so you know this is our first event with TechCrunch, but we're looking forward to doing many more, and hopefully I'll see you there. Yeah, absolutely. All Maybe right. I'll, I'll see you in San Francisco in September. Yeah, but it's a date. <laughs> Love it, thank you. All right. Okay, so I'm here with Jordan Klein. He's a student at Virginia Tech and is the CEO and co-founder of Park and Diamond. Uh, tell me a little bit about the company and the product that you guys build. Sure. So we make a collapsible bike helmet. It fits in the shape of a water bottle, so you can take it with you anywhere you need it. And uh, it looks like a normal piece of headwear at five feet as a cyclist rides by. You can't tell it's a big, goofy piece of foam. So this means you can take it into, you know, into class, into Starbucks or whatever, and so you're no longer stigmatized for wearing a piece of protective equipment. And how long has, uh, how long has the company been up and running? Cool. So we've been around for about 18 months now. Um, okay. Spent a lot of time working on the engineering aspects. So that was the big challenge, right? We don't use the same foam that somebody else uses. So almost every uh, bike helmet on the market uses EPS foam. And we figured out a way to not do that. So that's why our product's so much thinner, so much lighter, so much more comfortable, and so much more portable. Okay. And are you a biker yourself, I imagine? I'm not. Actually, my co-founder is a, is a huge biker. Um, I sold my bike when I was 18 for car parts. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, how's the experience been here so far? The experience here has been really cool. I would de definitely recommend, you know, if you're a student, I think they've got discounted tickets so you don't have to pay the full price. Um, come, interface with people, understand what's going on here. Uh, it's been awesome. I mean, some of the, the companies here, everybody's so positive. Everybody's so excited about what's going on. And, um, you know, as a student looking out on the world, it, it's just incredible. Yeah, and if, uh, if listeners are interested in, in getting a helmet, are they publicly available? Can they, can they buy them? They're not available yet. Um, they will be soon. We're going to launch in the spring of 2018. Uh, but stay tuned on our website. It's www.park-and-diamond.com. Uh, we'll post updates there as far as when we might do a Kickstarter, we might do a crowdfunding, or, or pre-orders will be available. Okay, and I've got to ask about the name of the company. Where does it come from? So the name of the company was actually the intersection where my uh, co-founder's sister was involved in a hit-run accident. Um, and she spent about three months in a coma because um, she wasn't wearing a helmet. And so we kind of looked at cycling safety from a holistic approach as looked, okay, so do we start an advocacy group that looks at, you know, how do we improve intersections? And we realized that in 97% of cycling-related fatalities in an urban environment, the cyclist was not wearing a helmet. And so we saw this as just a, an underutilized, underserved market. I mean, the bike helmet has looked the same since when my parents were in college, basically. Um, not much has changed besides the aerodynamic properties, which to the most users just doesn't really matter. You know, for me, I'm not going 50 miles an hour on a bike, so 
what does that extra 3% reduction in drag do for me? Yeah. Um, versus having to carry, you know, this, this bulky piece of foam around. It takes up my entire bag. And um, to put it in perspective, I like to ask the question, you know, if, you're, if your seatbelt took up your entire backpack and you had to carry it with you everywhere you go, would you wear it? You know, and that's exactly what we ask cyclists to do. And this affects 85,000 Americans every year and end up with traumatic brain injuries as a, result, as a result of cycling accidents. Okay, nice. Jordan, thanks so much for coming by. I really appreciate it and look forward to uh, getting my hands on the helmet when it comes out. Awesome. Great stopping by. Uh, you can follow us at park-and-diamond.com for updates and join our mailing list. Okay, awesome. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Okay, so I'm here with Sama Jashnani. She's the co-founder of Down to Dash. Uh, give listeners a little bit of an idea of what Down to Dash is. So Down to Dash is a mobile app for college students. It connects college students based on what they're down to do, like workouts, sports, eating, traveling, etc. And it's just a really fun way of meeting students in your location. Like, say you want to play tennis on Thursday, so find another student to play tennis with. Um, if your friends are busy or just in general, if you are, you're forming a group to play basketball, find people to play basketball with or travel with. Or, yeah, and we have our presence at like NYU, Berkeley, UPenn, New York Institute of Technology and a few other colleges. Okay, nice. And, and how long has it been, uh, how long has it been going? So, um, we've been working on it from like the idea stage started more than a year ago, but we just launched a few months ago. And um, it's been going great. We're a part of this accelerator program called Elevaco. And we got selected in the top three companies to give this big pitch on June 5th. So we're really excited for that. And we also got selected in this Young Entrepreneurship Council by Forbes. So we're working on articles with them at HuffPost, um, Entrepreneur, and a few other publications. So that should get us some good publicity. And and we talked yesterday a little bit. you're writing, one of the articles that you're writing is on innovation, right? Yeah, uh, basically, yeah, innovation's a part of it. So it's about like the seven lessons I learned as a young entrepreneur um, and what advice I would give to uh, young founders like me. So that that's the article I'm writing. Okay, nice. Osama, thanks so much for coming by. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, so I'm here with Alice Chang. She's the founder and CEO of TaxDrop. Um, Alice, tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, so TaxDrop is a mobile app where users snap pictures of their tax documents, submit, and it goes to a CPA to prepare the tax returns, getting you in and out of tax season within minutes. How long have you been around? So we started back in August 2016. The app didn't launch until February, March of this year. So we were able to catch the, the latter half of tax season and it's been great so far. And then we were talking before we came on the air, the difference between like a TurboTax and a tax drop is what? Right, so tax drop, the, the whole goal is to shift the burden off of the taxpayer and the client so that they don't have to spend time worrying about filing their taxes, um, how to do it properly, or if they're missing anything at all. So th- that's the biggest problem with uh, self-preparation software is that it's so time-consuming and you don't know what you're missing if you don't know what to look for and you're not familiar with the tax code and also the the biggest difference between tax drop and H&R block for example is that we only use licensed CPAs so these are people that have a degree in accounting and were born and bred um, in the tax code so it's very different than using an unlicensed preparer who 
I think tends to make um, more mistakes mm -hmm. in that sense. And so a CPA has experience and expertise to provide you with feedback and tax planning advice, yeah. which is very valuable for people, financial um, consulting. Okay, nice. And if, if folks are interested, I know April 15th came relatively recently, but if they're interested in filing for 2018, where should they go to find out more? They should go to taxdropapp.com and you can learn more about our product there and we have a, a recorded demo on our website or you could download TaxDrop on the App Store. Okay, nice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on no and thanks problem. for building the app. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, my pleasure. So, so Barika Edwards, the co-founder and CEO of OIA is here with me now. Barika, tell us a little bit about the company and what its mission is. So our vision is to end veteran unemployment and veteran discrimination that happens within the uh, job market. Okay. So, uh, that is our vision. Uh, we are a social enterprise, which means that we use business solutions to solve a societal issue. And that societal issue is the fact that when veterans come home, um, each year about 250,000 veterans come home and about half of them, a little bit more than half of them, will face a long period of unemployment. And for military spouses, uh, it's about 20% of them, despite having degrees, despite having amazing backgrounds, experiences, um, they also face long periods of unemployment or underemployment um, because they move to support their family and to be with their family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when did you start the company? So we started. Um, we started a couple of years ago, and how we started the first year, we did a whole year of proof of concept. Um, we did a study out of uh, West Point Military Academy, and I also did social impact work through a fellowship with the University of Pennsylvania, um, Global Social Impact House, um, and we looked at the problems that are what are the real problems that are happening within the um, within military employment, uh, what is happening on the veteran side, what is happening on the employer side, and we saw that a lot of things are happening on the employer side that we can address in a way that is going to level the playing field and also fill in the gaps that they essentially need, which is companies are looking for awesome talent, they are looking for people that can do the job, um, but they're also having problems with expanding their network as well where they're tapping into um, talent pools that they're overlooking and we see the military community as that talent pool of really amazing hardworking people with expertise that they need, data scientists, marketers, um, salespeople, you know, HR people, people that know contracts and uh, can go through uh, pages and pages of jargon if you're going to go into uh, government contracting. Folks that really know how to distill information and um, give you really concise work. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if there are employers out there who are interested, or if there are veterans who are interested, where can they go to find out more? Sure, you can go to OYA, which is O-W-E-Y-A-A.com. And you can sign up as an employer, or you can sign up as a veteran, or if you're a spouse, active duty, you can also sign up. Um, any Anybody, any cohort, so if you're part of the post-9-11 cohort, 
If you are a uh, Gulf War One cohort, you can sign up um, for OYA. Okay, nice. And, and what's your experience been like here at TechCrunch Disrupt this week? Oh man, TechCrunch Disrupt in New York City. Uh, it's been really exciting. It's been a like, crazy busy uh, week. So far, it's only day two. Right. Um, we were invited to TechCrunch. Uh, we won a table, so we're a really scrappy startup. Um, we've launched our uh, MVP last year. We had about 60% of our veterans and, and military spouses that were active on our platform find employment. So we're kind of in that still scrappy stage where we're getting ready to launch our beta later this year. Um, and we're still developing throughout. So we, um, we're really we're thankful that TechCrunch invited us to come and, and have a table in the startup alley here. Yeah, nice. Well, I'm very grateful that you came by to stop and chat today. Thank, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Will. Absolutely. Thank you. For sure. Okay, so I'm here with Francesca and Michael, and their company is... Icewile. Icewile, right? Icewile. So tell me about Icewile. Icewile is an electric mobility company. We are looking to be the future of electric mobility in all facets of life. We want to take the mundane and make it easier, better, and more extraordinary. We are a... Brussels hub motor, high powered, 20 mile range, 20 mile per hour speed, hour charge, and can be attached to a baby carriage, attached to your grocery cart, attached to your luggage, attached to a bike, attached to a skateboard. And especially for skateboarders, it's the first one, people that are serious skateboards can have electric mobility when they want it, and then use of the regular skateboard when they don't without changing the integrity of their skateboard. So we're starting out the skateboarding market, but we have prototypes done, videos done with baby carriages, which is great. We have speakers on our device so a mother can take her child out to the park and not have to push it. She can hold hands with her toddler while she's going along, bring the child to the park, put on some music and play, and then easily come back with our device. We want it to be something that changes the way that people do their everyday life. Okay, nice. And so you, you said you have a, a prototype of it at this point and starting with skateboarders. Where are you in like the funding process or are you taking funding? Uh, so far we've been self-funded and um, because we are developing the product for the consumer for the people. We would like to have the consumer engaged in our development as well. Okay. Um, we have, as Francesca said, we have developed the skateboard version. Um, we do have attachments for other devices as well. And um, uh, right now we are planning to go to the crowdsourcing uh, platforms okay. to see how we can get the consumer involved with us. Okay, nice. And if, uh, if listeners out there are interested in uh, in trying it out or getting their hands on it, where should they where should they keep an eye for information? We're going to be at the Makers Fair in uh, San Francisco. Makers Fair in San Francisco, and you can also pre-order us at iSwile.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash iSwile. We're going to be featured in a few magazines, and we hope to be hitting the markets extremely soon. We have manufacturing lined up. We are still looking for funding and support. And our key thing is this, is that you look at electric mobility that's out there and it's going to be about a grand 1500 and it's all specialized to one device. You either get an electric scooter, electric skateboard, nothing has been done for moms or just everyday part of, you know, you could have these on grocery carts. And we want this to make this available to everyone at $250. But what that means is that, you know, if we go in with a VC, that probably will be changed because, yes, we can make a greater profit, but we want to have done, do something that impacts everyone's day-to-day -day life. So at 250 we really need a lot of support and a lot of interest. And we know that we have something amazing and we'd love to see people come and get engaged and tell us 
what they want because we are still in a position to be able to better fine-tune this to meet people's needs. And it's I-S-W-I-L-E, right? Yes. Okay. It's nice. like uh, it's a smile with a W. Oh, it's like when that. you don't uh, physically smile, it's when you smile from the inside. <laughs> nice. Well, smile is the universal expression, physical expression of joy, and for us, we believe you don't need to have that physical expression. It's an internal thing. We want to be giving back to people's lives. We want to be making people's lives better. We're working with people with disabilities. One of our major things is as well, and I'm so sorry, I forgot to say this, with wheelchairs. Um, we can be attached on and make someone that is handicapped really improve the quality of their life. If you look at wheelchairs on the market, they're 2000 to $6,000. It is a travesty that most of these things are not, like most electric wheelchairs aren't covered by insurance, and we want to see people be empowered we want to see people to be able to be mobile in a way that makes their lives better. Nice. So, yeah, these things are important to us. We've gone, been in contact with a charity organization, Go Baby Go, that works with mobility-challenged children, kids with spina bifida, severe autism, and we really want to make an impact for the better, which is also why we've chosen to self-fund so we can keep that integrity intact, to do something that is, that is really for the consumer, that is really for people to improve the quality of their lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, sounds like a great cause. It's making me smile. Um, so uh, thanks so much for coming it. by. And, thank you so uh, much, Will. Such a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. And with that, my friends, this episode of the Innovation Engine podcast has come to a close. I want to thank everyone who took time out of the event to speak with me about what they're up to. And huge thanks also go out to my colleagues who helped make the event such a success and who sent interview subjects my way over the course of the three-day event. They are in no particular order Andy Zipfel, David DeWolf, Jennifer Ives, Missa Goodier, Dan Green, Chris Gwynn, and Sayla Singh. Thanks also to Toby Binstead and Ned Desmond from TechCrunch for their hospitality and for putting on a great event. And thank you for listening. Hope to see you in San Francisco in September for TechCrunch Disrupt San Francisco. The Innovation Engine podcast is produced by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Go to our website at www.3pillarglobal.com to find out more about our services. You can subscribe to the Innovation Engine through the iOS podcast app, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. And you can also ensure that you never miss an episode by going to 3pillarglobal.com podcast. There you can sign up to receive fresh new episodes of the Innovation Engine in your inbox each time one comes out. You can also download our very own iOS app designed and developed in-house here at 3Pillar by searching for the Innovation Engine in the iTunes App Store. If you like what you hear on the Innovation Engine and you live in the world of product and software development, you may like our sister podcast, Take 3. You can find Take 3 at soundcloud.com slash take3pillar with the number 3 or on iOS devices by searching for Take and the number 3 in the podcast app. On each episode, my partner in crime, Julia Slattery, talks with two 3Pillar team members to get quick takes on the trends, technologies, and tools that are changing the way software gets made and business gets done.